0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening
1: Track. On the 9th, which is the day that J.L. was born and Maddox was born, um, she had um, a procedure done in her brain, and they found that she had glioma, which is brain cancer. Um, but God is so good. He, um, So I'm going to try to condense it. So basically, she went to the emergency room because she was having some issues breathing. Okay, <laughs> And she was going to go to a little clinic. She's like, no, nah, I better go to the emergency room. So she goes to Norton's Brownsboro. And um, she gets there, and she tells them having some issues breathing. And then she's like, and I've had a, a headache for a couple of days or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to go ahead and do a scan, which is totally unheard of. As a matter of fact, I didn't get it on camera, but I almost did. Her nurse, after her procedure, said it's actually a miracle that they would even order a scan because it's so like a a headache is so minimal they wouldn't just do a scan but they did and found that there was a mass there and um and then of of course they they determined that it was a, a tumor a brain cancer and so um she ended up at Norton's Brownsboro which is actually Louisville's premier place for neurosurgery. (laughs) She has the best neurosurgeons in all of Louisville, actually in the region from what I understand. It's these twin doctors that do an amazing job. She has an awesome medical team around her that she just kind of walked into. It wasn't like, oh, I need to do research and find this. She didn't even know that she had anything in her brain. So God just totally just open the door for her to to have the best of the best because she's the best of the best and so anyway the reason i'm saying all of this uh that they were able to take 95 percent of the tumor so there's only a little smidge left in there but she starts this week with radiation and i know that i've already asked you to pray for her but um if it's okay we're going to take time right now to pray for you would you rather people not lay hands on you or is that okay okay do you want to stay there or do you want to come up here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Josh, you can hold her up. Is that good? Okay. So, I would love for for us as a family, cuz she's my family. She's your family too, to lay hands on her and just ask for the strength of God to enter her body for him to give her grace to go through this process. So those of you that would like to come and lay hands on her, I ask that you would come and join. That's totally biblical. The Bible says, "Ask the elders to come lay hands." So we're going to do that, believing for the miraculous. Yeah, Father, we are so thankful for your goodness and for the promises that you give us. And and Father. Through studying your word, it tells us that that healing is what you want for us. And so we just, first of all, we speak to any cancer that's left in Bethany's body. And we command you to go. We curse the cell of cancer in her body, in her brain. And we say that you're trespassing. And we command you to go in the name of Jesus. You must go, you have to dissipate, shrivel up and go away in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are going to br- be the testimony in her body of the healing that's coming. And we just ask, Father, for this, this treatment, the radiation and the chemo that she's undertaking, God, that, that you, would, um, you would super empower it, that it would do everything that it's supposed to do. It would not damage anything else, that it would go straight to the source, and it would shrink any cancer that's left and bring healing to her body and we just impose the blood of Jesus in her body we say that your DNA is perfect God and we thank you that your blood runs through her body from the top of her head to the soles of her feet and we thank you that that blood is eradicating cancer right now in the name of Jesus we thank you for grace we thank you for your peace and your comfort during this time we thank you for financial blessings God, that you are, you are creating streams of income for them. They didn't even know that they had available father that would meet the needs so that they can do family like they're supposed to, how they do life. We just ask for your blessings on them. And we bless them with finances. We bless them with health. We bless them with the closest like they've never had. And we thank you, God, that this will be a billboard of your goodness. And we know, devil, <laughs> you will hate the day that you pointed your weapons at this family. You will hate the day that you rose against us. Because we will declare the goodness of God. We will declare how amazing our God is. And we will always declare always love you and we will always give you glory for it. And we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 (laughs)
2: Thank you, Lord. I specifically remember that Tuesday
0: night, uh, we actually had just, Rebecca got in a little earlier. I got in about 10 o'clock from Cleveland. We had been at the funeral of Rhonda, Jessica Lawson's sister, and um, as soon as I got in, we let the kids off, and we went back to the hospital. And I remember as soon as I walked in the room and uh standing at the foot of the bed, I heard the Lord very specifically, and I told them this that night. I heard him very specifically say to me to speak to that tumor, to speak to the cancer. And so we did, and um, just, just believe that, that the Lord, we're so grateful for doctors and nurses and so thankful for what they do, uh, and I'm also thankful that he goes above and beyond. And uh, we, we just declare that it's already miraculous that 95% is gone. And uh, so we're we're not going to let a measly five percent keep us from praying and and declaring. And uh, I hold on to that. I hold on to that. I know that He said to do that. And um, <clears throat> so uh, we're we're with you. We're with you. Uh, can I I, I want to give a testimony? Um, and if I can do this with out crying, it'll be a sign and a wonder, with the parting of the Red Sea uh, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago. You know, uh, Trenton and Cameron were in for a little while. They're out in Redding, California. Cameron's in BSSM. Trenton is uh, applying, and I think it's looking like my daughter Haley is applying, so I'm going to have three out there. Um, and so while Trenton is not in school, he's engaging in the culture there at Bethel and with, with Cameron's friends. And But Trenton has his own friends, and Trenton is um, – he is – uh, an unbelievable leader. I tell, I I tell people all the time, it's still kind of an immaturity right now. And so it looks a little different, but he is an unbelievable leader. Like people just come to him. And so anyway, uh, I tried to call him one afternoon and, uh, he called me real quick. He said, Hey dad, he said, uh, I'm on my way to church. He said, I didn't go this morning with Cameron. They have a rotation and now Cameron has the 8am service. And so he has to be there Trenton doesn't have to be there at 8 a.m. So he, he finds other services to go to. Uh, so he was going that evening, and he said, I'm going to pick up my buddy, and um, we're going we're gonna to go to church. And um, <clears throat> so I was like, okay, cool, let's talk after. So, you know, it was late, and he hadn't, he hadn't called. And he's usually pretty good about that. And so I, uh, about 1 o'clock, you know, I just wake up, and I look at my phone. There's a text, and he's like, hey, Dad. He said, sorry, I didn't call. Long story short, we're sharing Jesus with Justin. And I was like, okay, cool. So we get to talk to him the next day, and evidently this, you know, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid, Justin, was having an issue with a girl. Imagine that, uh, you know, that's, that, that was the issue, and um, he came to Trenton. He said, man, he said, I just want to come to church. Can I come to church with you? And Trenton was like, yeah, sure, so come on. So he goes with him. They're in church, and they're actually in the overflow there at the church. And so sanctuary is full. They're in the overflow watching the screen. And he sees this older gentleman come up uh, to his friend, Justin gets in his ear and just begins to just talk to him, read his mail, you know, prophesy to him. It was amazing. So I looked over and I see tears coming down Justin's face. And he's like, I was like, okay, cool. And, uh, and you know, the reason he would say, okay, cool is that's kind of normal there. I mean, if you're there, you know, 30 minutes, somebody's going to prophesy to you and give you a word and, blow your mind it's just the the culture there is is rich with that um and and so they leave and they go and trenton thinks he's dropping him off where his girlfriend is and so they sit in the car and he's talking and all this stuff happens very long story short trenton's like hey man do you just want to go back to our apartment and we'll, we'll hang out and he's like yeah that's cool he goes in everybody else is gone it's trenton cameron and this friend justin the, justin had never heard the gospel. And that blew Trenton's mind. I can't believe there are people in the United States who have never heard the gospel. They didn't know that Jesus died for them. Trenton and Cameron lead him to the Lord right there in their apartment. At 1130 at night, Trenton runs out to Walmart and buys him a Bible because he didn't have one. Man, I'm telling you, that's the goodness of God. And so he has now... Uh, you know, helping this dude walk along and, you know, he's calling with questions and, and all of this stuff. And so it's just an amazing testimony of the goodness of God. And and so it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal when they're leading people to the Lord, right? There's a party that happens in heaven every time somebody comes to the Lord. And so I just wanted to give you that testimony that that's just an amazing testimony amazing thing that's taking place. And there's so many other things Uh, Cameron is telling us all the time. He's just like, man, this is blowing my mind. And um, so just an amazing atmosphere that they're in. And and we're so grateful for that. Um, I'm going to try to speak just a little bit. I hope I'm not going to be really long. um, But I really don't know exactly where I want to start Um, we didn't get to have service last week. Week before that I started into talking about sweeping the four corners. We've been talking for, for months now about being the righteousness of God and what that looks like. And, and so, um, I really want us to engage today, I think, may be the most important of all four things that I'm going to be talking about. Last week, we talked about sweeping the corner of religion and being replaced with freedom, that, that, that we just sweep that corner of performance and the idea that, that there are things that, that, that may be there that are still driving us to think that we have to perform, and it doesn't allow us to live in real freedom. And and so this week, I want to talk to you about one that I think is specifically for the church in here And the church in America, it's, it's specifically for us. And, and so, um, I I really do believe that it's one of the things that the enemy has really launched against the church. And so I'm going to talk about some things and I've got a lot of Bible. Um, I don't think I'm going to read this, uh, I was Luke fifteen, the, the parable of the lady who has the lost coin. She's sweeping the floor. She had nine other coins. There was one floor there was one coin that was missing. And she's sweeping the corners to find that coin. There there's several things in that story that are really amazing to me, and just a couple I wanna highlight. The fact that she would go after one coin. There were nine others, but she wanted to go after one. And I think that sometimes what the enemy does is he'll come to us and he'll challenge us to go after one thing when we've got all these other things, but it's that one thing that we don't go after that causes havoc in our life. It's like, ah, it's just one. It's just one thing, and, and I paralleled it to the story of David who, who went after the lion and the bear for one lamb. Why was he doing that? because he could not let the enemy establish a pattern where he could come and go as he pleases to take whatever he wanted from the fold, right? And so ultimately it really wasn't about David, it wasn't about establishing a pattern, and it really wasn't about taking a lamb, and it really wasn't about David. Ultimately, it was about how can I establish a pattern that te- removes David, who would then be the descendant of Jesus, that Jesus would be the descendant of David. So ultimately, it was about Jesus. And the, the reason I bring that up is because sometimes the enemy, when he has that one thing that you think, ah, I can do without that one thing, that one devotional aspect, that, that one thought. Maybe it's a, a thought of misidentification. Maybe it's a, a, a thought of, of um, man, maybe God's not as good as I thought he was. Maybe it's a thought of, um, I think he can do it, but I don't think he will. Maybe it's just one thought that the enemy plants, but that has the ability to throw everything into a snowball effect. And so we have to guard the one thing. The Bible says that our eye has to be single so that our body can be full of light. What does that mean? It means that you look at one thing so that it can be full of light, that if you're looking at numerous things, if, it, if they take your gaze, then it causes the light to dim in your eyes and you can't see the one focal thing. And what is that? It's the man, Jesus. And so I, I want to I talk to us a little bit about that, about sweeping the corners and then the other scripture we talked about was Ephesians 5.13, and it says that whatever revelation light exposes, it has the power to correct. Man, I love that scripture because it tells me that whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to me, it does not put pressure on me to correct it. But the revelation that he gives to me, it comes and it has the power to correct those things that it exposes. See, one of the traps we get in is that he'll, he'll expose some stuff. And, and if we have a wrong opinion or we have a wrong mindset about who he is, it will push us away from him instead of understanding that he exposes things things so that he could draw us ever closer to him right and so whatever revelation light exposes it corrects it has the power to correct is that good news man? that's really really good news um, that that
2: I don't have to fix everything I just let the revelation light come and it's my
0: love affair That causes me to understand, oh, man, maybe I need to adjust that. Not I need to go out and I need to pay penance or whatever. I don't even know what that means. Sweeping the corners. Is that okay today? Okay. The next corner to be swept, I really believe that this is the most important for the church and for our church. The next corner to be swept is a corner of cynicism, to be replaced with wonder. Sweep the corner of cynicism. To be cynical is to believe that people are motivated by self-interest. Here's, here's the definition that I really want to hang my hat on, though. That's one definition. Here's the next one. Doubtful as to whether something will happen or whether it is worthwhile.
2: Doubtful that something will happen or whether it is worthwhile. My goal is not to spend a whole lot of time on cynicism because we do that enough already.
0: So that's not my goal today. I really want us to sweep that corner and replace it with wonder. And I want to talk about a couple of things. Jesus said this in Luke 21. He said, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom was within you. If this is true, and I believe that it is, if the kingdom is within you, then every issue that arises is a heart issue. Every issue of the kingdom that arises in our hearts that is contrary to what we see with our natural eye and live in our natural life is not really about what's in front of us. It's about our heart issue. How can, how can you prove that? The, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, thought that Jesus was coming to end the oppression of Rome, right? We know that, that that's the truth. Let me ask you a question. I was talking with
2: Lee the other day and we were talking about this. Let me ask you this. How many of you dealt with the oppression of Rome this week? Caesar knocking on your door? You understand what I'm saying? What Jesus came
0: to do was to eradicate the issues of the heart, which was eternal, and not deal with the temporary, which was the oppression of Rome in the moment, Because he understands that if he could deal with the issues of the heart, which are eternal, the oppression of Rome would never even be an issue again. Thus, you've not been bombarded with the oppression of Rome this week, correct? Because what he's trying to do when he came on the scene to preach the kingdom, and he preached about the kingdom more than he preached anything— he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added to you. What? Don't worry about where you're going to live. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about, and, and we understand that in psychology, you know, Maslow came along and he said, here's my hierarchy of needs. I have to know that there's food. I have to know that there's shelter. We know all those things, but that is contrary to the kingdom. Here, here's what happens though. We become cynical because we live our life based on what we see and not what we hear. How did Moses, how did Moses in the face of the biggest army, in the face of the richest country? in the face of every obstacle that could possibly be there, how did he stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go? How did he leave from there, walk through the wilderness, part the Red Sea with the help of the Lord, hit rocks, and water comes out? How did he do this with Egypt on his tail? Did he do it because he was such an amazing leader? No. He was a good leader, but he listened to the voice of the people too much, right? We know that because God told him the second time, I don't want you to hit the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. But they were pressuring him saying we're thirsty. And so he went back to an old method. I'm not preaching about that today. Jesus name. That's not what I'm trying to talk about. I'm talking about the leadership of Moses. How did he do that? How did he face Pharaoh? Do you know how he did it? Man, I love this scripture in Hebrews. It said that Moses did not care about Egypt for a season, the pleasures of Egypt for a season. That was the first part. Here's the second thing. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Man, that scripture is bad to the bone. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. What am I saying? He could not live his life based on what he saw. He had to live it based on what he heard and based on what he knew was available through the impact that he had with the encounters of God. And, and so I, I want us to, to really think about uh, that idea. So, so any issue that comes up, anything that causes you to have a diminished thought of God is a lordship issue. I'm gonna show you this. Anything that causes you to have a diminished thought of God is a lordship issue. There is an issue of him as Lord in that area. I'm going to show you this. Money and poverty, I'm not going to stay there long, but money and poverty are two great examples for that. If there's an issue with money and a thought process of poverty, it is a lordship issue. It's not that you don't have enough resources. It's not that there are not resources available. It may be that you're not getting up going to work. That could be an issue. That could be an issue, but that's still a lordship issue. It's still a lordship issue. Any issue that gives you a diminished thought of God is a lordship issue. In other words, you have not allowed him to be lord over that area. You say, that's not possible. I tell him to be lord over over my life. Yeah, but we have learned really well how to compartmentalize things, and you're lord of this, but I don't know if you're really lord of this in my life, right? I mean, I'm not gonna harp on that, but it's the truth regardless. When there are lordship issues, It is the breeding ground for doubt, and doubt breeds cynicism. Lordship issues in your life is the breeding ground for doubt. What does that mean? Lord, I don't know if you're going to show up in this moment, so now I'm doubting provision, I'm doubting health, I'm doubting all of these things that you could be doing. There's, There's doubt there, and then cynicism comes in, and cynicism sounds like this, well, you didn't do it here. So you're probably not going to do it here. Or I didn't see you do that here. Or I didn't see that person, this and that and the other. And so cynicism, it just, man, it wreaks havoc in our life. And and it starts from, from a lordship issue. I have a belief. This is what cynicism really does to us. It, It says, I have a belief that something is possible or something
2: can happen. I believe that, but I have a stronger belief that it will not happen. I believe you can heal, but I have a stronger belief that I don't think
0: you're going to in this moment. Listen, I'm going to expose this and man, I'm going to talk to you about why we think that I believe that revival is coming, but man, I'm looking around and I I don't believe it's coming to awakening anymore. I believe revival is coming, but I'm not sure if Louisville's the spot because it's breaking out in Paris and it's breaking out in Texas and it's breaking out in South Carolina and California and it's breaking out in all these other places. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I know that you said it, but, hmm, and I just don't know, right? Better better yet. I, I, I know that you can take care of my family, but I, I better put in 80 hours overtime just to make sure that it happens. Uh, I didn't figure y'all shot me down on that, but... <laughs> Anyway, here, here's the bigger deal. This thought process of I know you can, but I don't really believe you're going to is particularly present in those who have been in church for a while because you've seen it all. You've heard it all. You, some of y'all finished my sermon before I ever get a chance to do it because you've seen it all. You've heard it all. You know the scriptures. You know what, what's going on. You, you, you know it. And it's particularly present in people who've been in church, well, how can you say that, Ryan? Because I are one. I've seen it. I've seen it, guys. I've I've seen, man, I've seen lots of stuff. I've seen stuff that you all haven't seen, even in my young life, because I've been on some different places, some different stages, different rooms, different things. I've seen some stuff that happens, and it builds up this idea of, I would never say, God, you're not going to. I would never say that. I have a fear of the Lord that has been established in me that I would never say you're not going to, but subconsciously I really don't believe you're going to. Let me ask you this, Is that are you even of, able to pray the prayer of faith if you have that thought? I'm going to mess with you about faith today too. I really am. I, I particularly see this in the church, and this is why, see, the Lord, when he called me, um, and I say, called me. I mean, I've been called from my womb. I, I know that, but that was the language that we used. He called me to preach. I remember the moment. You know, yada yada. I was, and and, and so uh, I do remember when I accepted what he had on my life is really more appropriate than to say he at that moment called me out. Uh, and 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 I remember specifically over the years, the, the Lord has has confirmed this over me that that one of my primary callings is the body of Christ, equipping the body. I'm gonna show you in a minute why that makes so much sense. And, and um, so for, for him to begin to talk to me about that, there, there are things that he had to begin to remove and continues to remove out of me because we get this mindset in the church, we get this thought process when we've been around it for a while and we just start going through routine. And we start going through the same thing over and over and over again. That's why in most churches... In most churches, and we were doing this too, so please hear me. In most churches, you're going to walk in, you're going to hear two or three fast songs that gets the atmosphere going, and then you're going to hear a couple of slow songs that now we lift our hands and close our eyes in worship. So we jump first, then we lift our hands and close our eyes. And, and it's a routine that happens over and over and over again. And here's the deal. You've heard me say this. A defense is not scared of an offense that runs the same play over and over and over again. Eventually, they're going to just load up to one side, and they're going to stop what's going on, right? And, and, and so we get into these routines, and sometimes we get into these routines because we don't really believe that God's going to do what he said he was going to do.
2: So, the reason that that happens, the reason that happens is because we have
0: misplaced expectations in the gifts of men and women. Listen, I'm going to tell you what breeds cynicism and what hampers wonder is that we have misplaced expectations in the gifts of men and of women. We believe in that gift Y'all looking at me, I can prove it to you. I gotta go get laid hands on by that guy right there. I gotta go. Listen, you know what we did with the prophetic? We, t- I, <laughs> we, we turned it into everybody running around with a tape recorder in their phone. You gonna give me a word? You gonna give me a word? You gonna give me a word? We did that. Why? Because we were believing in the gifts of other people. I, I remember when we were first really introduced to the prophetic. I will never forget this. Henry Boyans. Uh, was, he, he was operating in a, in a gift of the prophetic that I had never seen, so much so that I was prepared to rebuke him. Listen, when I talk about being churchy guys back in the day, you don't know. Like, I did not want to stay for this. And you know, I've said before, my wife, she's a hippie. She'll do anything. Hey, let's go, yeah. And I, like, I didn't even have to ask her after service. I knew she was like, I want to stay. And she knew that I didn't want to, that I was trying to leave. And so she won. And uh, we stayed, but I'm standing there, right? I'm standing there and I'm, I'm like, I'm ready. Because I'd never seen it. You understand? I'd never seen someone stand in front of me with a tape recorder and prophesy to me in a way that, you know, I just had never seen it. It was weird to me. And I stood there and he began to talk about things that only she and I had talked about, and tears began to run down my face. And I thought, oh man, I'm not going to rebuke this guy. I'm going to fall down, and wash his feet buy him anything I can connect to him this is what I did but here's what I saw happen so we saw over and over and over and over again Henry Boynes he would be with us we'd have him in he'd be somewhere we were there because he was he was he was drawing on something in us but here's what I saw I saw multiple people that would come and every time he was there they would go get another prophetic word and I thought Jesus name what'd you do with the first four that he gave you have you acted on that because he taught it real well too. He said, listen, a prophetic word, it's spelled like this, W-O-R-K. You gotta, you gotta work. There's always conditions and there's always saying he taught it right. And I would see people and they, man, they had to get a prophetic word every time. Why? Because we thought as a body,
2: we thought that that was moving as a result of his gift. What about this one? If you'll just have enough faith then he's going to do
0: what he said he would do. How many of you have looked in the face of a person like that and wanted to hit them square in their eye because you knew you had every bit of faith that you could muster, but somehow they're looking at you and telling you you don't have enough faith? Guys, listen, I'm serious. We could talk about this all day, and what it's done is it's produced a cynicism in the body of Christ where we don't approach Jesus as the one who has the ability, watch this, it was never a result, I don't care what meeting you've ever been in, I don't care what stream you've ever been in, you could have been at Brownsville, you could have been at Toronto, you could be at South Carolina, you could be in Reading, you could be at all of these other places, none of the moving of God that you experienced or experienced now had anything to do with the gifts of the man who had the microphone. It was absolutely, listen to me, it was absolutely an inheritance in the devotional place that allowed things like that to happen. And what we have done is we have placed our faith in the gifts of men, and it has risen and fallen with our ability to see them rise and fall because they're humanity. We have placed our faith in that, and it has caused us to be cynical so much so that we do not look on the face of Jesus with wonder anymore because we're expecting that somebody has to come with a gift and stir me up to make that happen. Now, I want you to listen. There are gifts, and there are people that are gifted, and there are people that have held a microphone, and I have listened to them, and seriously, man, at, let me just be completely honest. At Rhonda's uh, funeral, Dr. Raymond Culpepper, he gets up. He's, I don't know, he's close to 70, at least. He's close. He's been around forever. I mean, I always remember hearing about Dr. Raymond Culpepper, so he's been around forever, An amazing preacher, an amazing orator. This brother gets up, doesn't open a note, and goes for 45 minutes and tells every story in the history of the world about Rhonda's life and when he met her and then still keeps the points in his sermon that he's talking about because she's a poem. And I can't even remember the points he said right now, but he went through every single point. And I looked at Rebecca and I said, I'm I'm having a man crush right now (laughs) on this dude. Because there is an amazing gift. Now, I happen to know him, and I also know that there's an amazing life that he lives and has always lived that. But what I'm saying is we have risen and fallen on the gifts of men. We've risen and fallen on the gifts of leadership, and it's put us in a place where we have idolized things that caused our gaze to shift from the wonder of the man Jesus, and it's made us cynical. Why? Because we saw flesh fail. Imagine that flesh would fail. But we went home and got mad about it, stopped getting in a devotional place. Some people stopped going to church because they were hurt by man. Hang around me long enough, I'm probably gonna hurt your feelings. Why? Because I'm a man. Not because I want to, but because there's gonna be something you're not gonna agree with. There's gonna be something that you don't want. And we go through these routines and man, I'm just like, I wanna help people stay at home if you're not going to go after him and you're just going to let people be the the focal point my goodness I can't tell you how many times that I've thought about staying at the house y'all think I'm 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 being
2: funny but it's the truth I I just don't know We've seen in the body of Christ cynicism literally overtake a prophetic people, a people of faith. See, here's the
0: real thing about the prophetic. When he gives a prophetic word, guess what? It's an inheritance, and and it's not, listen, somebody who's really operating in a gifting of the prophetic is not so that he can be or she can be the only person who gives the word. I'm going to show you in just a moment. If there is someone who's really operating in the grace of the prophetic, they better be equipping other people to hear the voice of the Lord. And that's what happened. And listen, I have, I have specific prophecies where Henry Boyens has, has, has given me. But And, and there would be times that Henry, he would call me. I remember one time for sure he called me. I'm not kidding you. This is how the call went. Ryan, this is the word of the Lord. He told me what was there. Okay, bye, and hung up the phone, and we were done. So I have a few of those moments, and I have them written down where where it's the prophetic word of the Lord, but you know what he did? He equipped us to get into an area where we could hear the word of the Lord and begin to do something for ourselves, and not have to follow around him, hoping I was going to get another tape recorder or another message on my phone. Do you know that now when I go into services like that, I sit back, I understand that Sometimes I think we, we have signs on us that say prophesy to us because it happens a lot. I really do. Uh, I, but I don't, I don't go asking for it. I'm not going and looking for it because I've been equipped to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. So I don't have to, same thing with faith. And, and I know I challenge that because we've, we've said, oh, and the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's true. But God is not so harsh that he's not going to come into your life and do something for you because you don't have the measure of faith that somebody standing in front of you thinks you should have. Okay. I just want to set you free from that right there. That that faith is in God alone. And there are people who have a gift of faith, and that's the person who can look at the situation and it never ever affects them. And they're moving, man, they're operating in a gift of faith. But there's sometimes I don't have enough faith to make it happen. That's when I need grace and mercy to kick in. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Okay, and so these ideas, these ideas have caused us to be cynical, and we've lost our wonder. Now, I want to shift. I want to talk to you about wonder. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to use a couple of weird terms. What time Okay. I'm going to use a couple of weird terms um, to, to get where I'm going, and, and hopefully we can make some sense of this, uh, and if not, then. You'll have to chalk that up for being hurt once again. I'm sorry. Hey, can, can I also set some other people free? I know we don't have a lot of this in, in, in this particular church, but I just want to say this. If you were hurt at the last three churches that you were at, there's a real good possibility that it's not the last three churches you were at. It could be that you have an issue that you need to get over. I know that doesn't cause the, the seats to fill up and, you know, win friends and influence people. But but I found that out because there's all – and I've dealt with people over 20 years of ministry. They come to me, and, I you know, I'm the straw that broke the camel's back, and they can't believe I would treat them that way. And they left the last five churches the same way because they were jacked up. Listen, it's the Bob principle. Have I taught the Bob principle? I know I have. My kids know the Bob principle. It's if Ryan has an issue with Bob, Stephanie has an issue with Bob, and Bill has an issue with Bob – the, the, the problem is not with Ryan, Stephanie, and Bill. The problem is with Bob. Right? So, so we, we, we got to navigate that as well. Right? Well, I can't find any friends. Are you friendly?
2: I don't have anybody to hang out with. Who have you called this week? Do I need to stay here just a little longer? Seriously. I don't, I don't have any friends. I don't feel connected. Well, smile
0: sometime. And, and see if it helps us out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Be approachable, right? And, and, and you have to go and, 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 and make, sometimes you got to go be the friend, right? Is that okay? It's good whether it is or not. It's the, it's the truth. Set you free. Old preacher, you said, it's the truth. You don't like it when I tell you the truth. It'll set you free. Okay. Let me talk to you about what wonder is, okay? I'm gonna talk to you about what wonder is. It's a feeling or surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. I feel admiration and amazement or marvel. Listen, there are days when I get up and I have to fight for that in the face of Jesus, but I'm telling you it's worth it. And there are days when I fail in the fight for that. But this, if, this is the goal right here. The whole cynicism thing—that's a mindset change, and we got to break it. We got—we got to—we got to stop doing some of the same junk that we're doing, and and expecting God to jump into our mess. Right? Don't we do that sometimes? We do the same thing over and over and over again, and expect that He's going to come change it. They have a definition for that. Somebody smarter than me knows what that is. Wonder, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. I feel admiration and amazement or marvel. Here's the opposite of wonder. It's dull. Watch this. This is that. Lacking interest or excitement.
2: Lacking brightness, vividness, or sheen make or become less intense. I was going to do this later, but this is a perfect point for this right here. In Revelation. The church
0: of Ephesus, he says, I'm gonna come and remove your lampstand, what? If you don't return to your first love. The actual translation, if you don't return to loving like you did at first. It wasn't that Jesus didn't have the place, it's that the passion and the intensity of that relationship was not where it was at first. And he said, you have to see how far you've fallen. He said, I know your good works and I know that you've done this and you don't tolerate evil and you got a checklist a mile wide that you could do, but you don't love me like you used to. Did you know, did you know that there will be people who will stand before God one day and they will legitimately say, I cast out devils in your name. I did miracles in your name. And it's not that the miracles didn't work and it's not that the demons didn't leave. It's that he said, but I did not know you. That's why it can't rise and fall on the gifts of people. The gifts are without repentance. It's what the Bible says. It has to rise and fall on the wonder of the man Jesus. Do you, when you look at him, when you think about him, when you're in your place, do you see it as a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration and caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable? Do you feel admiration, amazement, and marvel when you get in his face? If not, that's what I'm after today. What is it about life that has caused that to wane? What is it about the experience and what you've seen in people that has caused you not to look at the man, Jesus, that way? I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about maturing into childlikeness. Boy, isn't that contrary? Maturing into childlikeness. How do I mature into childlikeness? Now listen, this is the part that we don't want to hear. We get stuck in cynicism, and this is why it's because of immaturity. Plain and simple, it's because of immaturity. I've been serving the Lord for 97 years. I appreciate that. Here's how the kingdom works. A 97-year-old can be immature, and a 9-year-old can be mature in the kingdom.
2: Okay, so let's let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. The whole chapter is amazing, but let's look at verse 11. Now, this is really, this is stuff that you guys know. This is stuff that you know. Okay. I told y'all we've had some issues today. Hallelujah. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. That's what I was talking about a while ago. If someone's flowing in the apostolic, they're flowing in the prophetic. They're they're pastoral. They they got a teaching ministry or an evangelistic ministry. It's not that we hang everything on their gift and what they do, because if that's what happens, they're not really functioning in the grace that he's given. Because they are supposed to, we are supposed to equip you to do the work of ministry. So if I have a particular gift in me and it's not flowing through the body, I am failing. You understand that? If I'm prophetic or I'm apostolic or I've got a teaching gift and it's not flowing through the body, then I am failing. I'm happy to say that there's a whole room full of people that hear the voice of the Lord in here. There's a whole room full of people that are amazing teachers and speakers. There's a whole room full of people in here that are prophetic. And I believe that that's part of the reason that people keep coming to a place like this where it makes no sense that they would come. Can we just be honest it makes no sense that people would continue to come to a gym and set up every week. But why? There's something in this place. And that's what we hear all the time. There's something. I was thinking today as people just kept filing in, and we got so many people that are that are missing today because of whatever. But I thought, who in the world how do you grow in this environment? Bill, you've been in church a long time. How do you grow in this environment? Seriously. And sometimes it doesn't help me when I'm sulking. Can I just be honest? I'm like, Jesus, we ain't got no building. You done left me and all that I did and thought we did and yada yada yada. And I come in and and people just keep coming in. Over and over and, why because there's something about the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, a 1,000%, it has nothing to do with Ryan Bain or Rebecca Bain or any other speaker that's in here. It's something that we have positioned our hearts to do, and there's an atmosphere that we can't get away from, and we continue to come together because we know there's something there. That's what the five-fold operating is. I know that people have told you the fivefold is when you have people who have the business cards with each grace on there, and they're standing up, and they're walking in the dog and pony show, but they lied to you.
2: That doesn't mean they're operating in that. Okay. That was not in my notes. What you yeah, Yes.
0: First Lady Prophetess, Bishop Rebecca. I got you. I got you. Queen, that's right. Queen. Boy, she let y'all know that real quick, didn't she? Let you know that real quick. Okay. Okay. Hallelujah. And their call, it's a wonder, it's wonder, it's wonder. And their calling is to nurture and prepare the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function, watch this, until we all attain oneness into the faith. It's talking about unity, unity in the faith, right? Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. Now, people who, <laughs> just really fast, really fast. I'm trying to stay on. Really fast. People who say that the apostolic and the prophetic went out with the apostles, the the, the twelve apostles, when the last one died, it it went out, and, and now we just have pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and that, that, that's all we need.
2: Is there unity Across the board in the body of Christ. Help me. First Baptist, second
0: Baptist, first church of God, second church of God, new beginnings church of God. Is there unity? It's not there, right? Do we know everything there is to know about the son of God and have we matured into a place where we are acting just like him? No, right? There's the answer. I can't argue with people because like, it said right there that these grace gifts are going to function until, and see we... We were scared of the apostolic and the prophetic, and that's why we were running on the other three, and we put all of our hope in there, but they were never supposed to be the ones who were supposed to lead because Jesus built the church on the foundation of apostles and prophets, right? First apostles, when you read that scripture, it literally means first in position, then, then prophets, okay? So I just want to talk to you about what real fivefold ministry looks like and why it's necessary, okay? You understand that? So that's what, what they've come to do, those grace gifts, until we finally— um, it, what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. Maturing into childlikeness, really fast. What I'm trying to say right here. The measure of immaturity according to scripture that I just read. Can we put this up here? Yeah. And then our immaturity will, no, 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 no. go back. And then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble. What is the sign of immaturity
2: according to scripture that we are easily shaken by trouble? How do you respond when trouble comes your way? Does it affect the way that you look at the character and nature of God? Does it affect
0: the way that you approach your life? Does it shut you down? Do your emotions take over and you begin to, to, to reel from this place? Well, this isn't, this, isn't, this isn't the best right here, is it? Can, can I help y'all though? I know I have the mic and I'm up here, but this is where I should be right here. Yeah, yeah, no. Seriously, immaturity will end, and the sign of immaturity ending is the way that we are not easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings. Hello, gifts of men. Hello, stealing our gaze. Hello, something hurt my feelings, and now it sends my whole world into a tailspin. Listen, it's not what Ryan said. It's what Paul said under the unction of the Holy Spirit. We have got to understand that is a sign of immaturity. Why is it necessary for us to be mature? Ryan, why do you keep saying that over and over again? I'm so
2: glad you asked. Go to Galatians chapter 4. In a similar way, God has promised our ancestors something better, but as long as an heir is a minor,
0: he's not really much different than the servant, although he's the master over all of them. For until the time appointed by the father, when he comes of age, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the state. So it is with us when we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when that era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the written law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free all of those held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and full legal adoption as children. Now, please hear what he's saying. The heir is... King James says, The heir and the slave differeth none until the heir comes to maturity. Ryan, what are you saying? I'm saying some of the things that we've been begging God. To do some of the things that we've been expecting to happen, some of the things that we've been asking him to bring to us are not a result of not having the right gift mix in our body, not having the right gift lay their hands on you. It's ultimately a result of us not moving into the
2: place of inheritance, moving into the place of maturity where inheritance can be released. Some of y'all are getting this and some of y'all are like, my goodness, I wish he'd shut up. Listen, listen, where's Maddox? How much sense would it make for me to walk back to Maddox and say, here, buddy, here's the keys to my truck. I've already got the gift. He's here. Here, take my truck. Does that make any sense? No. Then why do
0: we get mad at God? when we don't see things happen because he didn't release the gift or the gift mix that we thought he should have, do we have the maturity to realize that maybe we've got to get to a spot to where he can release inheritance? You don't have to work for inheritance, but I see people working to try to make things happen all the time, striving is what we were talking about last week, religion, replacing all that stuff. We have got to get to the place where we're okay with maturity. And here's, here's what really happens. We really got to get to the place that we move into a place of understanding real government. Understanding real government. Okay, maturing into child likeness. Okay, why do I say that? Because right here, I'm telling you about maturity, Right? I'm telling you, that's what you have to do. But what did Jesus say in Matthew 18? You have to come. If you're going to receive the kingdom, you have to come like a child. What is he trying to teach us? He's trying to teach us that there is a wonder that is available in the place of maturity that moves you past. Listen, I'm not so excited anymore about the fact that I get to drive. Why? Because I've been doing it for a long time. You understand? It's not such a big deal anymore. I'm gonna tell you, I started stepping a little different when I got that new truck, though. Seriously, you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't need no little thing on the back of my SUV to haul my deer anymore. I'll throw it up in my truck, Brr. Kick that thing in four-wheel drive. I'm not afraid of that hill. You, do you understand what I'm saying? But I've been driving the whole time. But there was something that sparked a wonder. Oh, man, and I'm, man, please hear me. I'm not talking, I didn't go crazy over that truck. It's just a truck. I'm trying to tell you that we get so caught up with the routine of serving the Lord, the routine of coming to church over and over and over again. And the truth is we're not changing anything because we've
2: lost our wonder. I'm bad at somebody else because it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. In the words of Paul,
0: it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up into childlikeness. Look what he said, Matthew eighteen. Jesus called a little one to his side. They're asking him, "Who's the greatest in the kingdom?" Right? I got to know. You got to give me the formula. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? What's the formula? How can I do it? I need to. Da, 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 da. Jesus called a little child, uh, called a little one to his side, and said to them, "Learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking." and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. You will never be able to enter in. Ryan, how in the world does this link in to righteousness and me being who he says I am? Go to Psalm 139 really fast. Because now I want to talk. I talked to you about something crazy, maturing into childlikeness. I'm going to talk to you about
2: something even crazier the discipline of wonder. How do you discipline wonder? Do you know it is not an act of discipline for me to stay faithful to my wife?
0: It is not discipline. It is not discipline for me to stay faithful to my wife. It is absolutely a ravishing love affair that we have. It is that I am so in love that there's no chance that anything counterfeit could pull me from that gaze. This is what he's trying to tell you. It's not that you're so disciplined and it's not that you're so good. It's can you see his eyes? Can you see him face to face and be moved by wonder? Can you do that? How? How does it increase? Psalm 139. This whole chapter is so good, you need to read it a thousand times a day. I'm exaggerating just a little this is a poetic song. I don't want to go into the whole background of this. I think there's podcasts somewhere back in the day when I did all of that. I know we don't have any new ones up yet, but we're working on it. Uh, but there's podcasts I did. I don't even know how many weeks I did on Psalm 139 because it totally wrecked my life. This is amazing. But look at this. This is a, a, a song for the chief musician. Psalm 139. There's not another one Uh, in the past until Psalm 109. So from 109, there's 30 psalms that are written, but none of them go to the chief musician, but this one does. That's a big deal. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak. Before I even start a sentence, you know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past with your hand of love upon my life you impart blessing to me here it is this is just too wonderful deep and incomprehensible your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. The way you understand me, what are you saying, Ryan? I'm telling you that we spend time trying to make sure that we've got it all perfect, but he knows the inside. We spend time make, making sure that the gift is on display, but he knows every weakness. We make sure that we do everything in line, everything up just right, but he knows the inner chambers of your heart. And David says, the fact that you know who I am, the fact that you know me at my worst, the fact that you know everything about me, you you know the future. You knew I was going to mess up with Bathsheba. You knew that I was going to kill Goliath. You knew that I was going to do everything and you know me. And not only do you know me, you choose me. If you read that scripture even further, it says that he goes into your house and they start using forensic terms and he turns over things exploring, but the whole time knowing what he's going to find but he still comes looking. And David says, it's that fact that you know the inside of me, you know every bit of me, that causes wonder to jump. How could a loving God, a holy God, look at me and see all of the mistakes and see everything that I've done and still come looking? It causes me to wonder. What would you rather have? the man with the right gift mix, the woman with the right gift mix that causes your emotion to rise or the God of all eternity to visit you in the secret place knowing everything that you've done, knowing everything that you've thought, knowing what you didn't do but you thought you would do. Come on, man. If, if I would be in jail right now if I was accused for doing just what I thought and he knows every bit of it and still he comes looking and he comes looking knowing that he's going to find your imperfectness, knowing that he's going to find the mess up. Guys, I'm trying to tell you there's something about a God like that that comes looking after you that
2: causes wonder. It causes wonder. When you're wowed by the gifts of men, there will never be enough to fill you. When you're wowed by the
0: gifts of men, there will never be enough to fill you. But when you're wowed, when you're wowed by the man Jesus, there will never be another substitute. When you're wowed by the man Jesus, there will never, ever be another substitute. And I know that this confronts some of us, but I'm I'm telling you that what you're looking for is in the devotional place. And the thing that keeps you in the devotional place is wonder, wonder. I'm going to stop. Spurgeon said this. He said, how wonderful the contrast between the observer and the observed, Jehovah and me. Yet this most intimate connection exists, and therein lies our hope. Let readers sit still a while and try to realize the two poles of this statement, the Lord and puny poor man, and
2: he will see much to admire and wonder at. Are you smitten? Are you smitten by Jesus? Are you in the routine to placate your consciousness? Jesus' name. Are you smitten? Are you smitten? When's the last time you wasted yourself in worship
0: on Him? When's the last time that you just totally abandoned man's opinion and wasted yourself? On worship, when's the last time that you sit in your house and you just wept at the presence of the Lord? Oh, I know some of you are doing it. Some of you are trying and some of you are, it looks like an insurmountable task, but I'm telling you, that's what will keep you. That's what will keep you when the storm comes. That is what will keep
2: you. I'm gonna read you one last scripture. Do You love him like you first did. Or has life caused you
0: to become cynical? Are you willing to sweep the corners of cynicism and fill it with the wonder of the man Jesus? Acts 21,
2: 13. Acts 21, 13. I read this the other day and it stopped me in my tracks. Paul,
0: with everything that Paul did, his persecution of the church, his persecution of Christians, shipwrecked, bitten, imprisoned, and the people are weeping for him. And look what he says. He said, why do you cry and break my heart with your tears? Don't you know that I'm prepared not only to be in prison, but to die in
2: Jerusalem for the sake of the wonder of the name of Jesus. I'm willing to die for the sake of the wonder that I've found. That gives me reprieve
0: from the fact that I know I did the junk. It gives me reprieve from the fact that I know that they threw Stephen's garments at my feet, but I found a wonder in this man Jesus, and it's absolutely changed everything, and I'm willing to die for that. Come on, guys, are you smitten by him or are you stuck in routine? It's okay, we've all been there, there's no condemnation. Please, there's no condemnation. I'm telling you that you have to fight to mature into childlikeness, and you have to fight for the discipline of wonder. It doesn't happen just because you go through a routine, but I'm telling you it's available. It's available the wonder of the man Jesus. And I'm telling you, he's coming to the American church. He's coming to Awakening Church and the church in Louisville. And he's saying, sweep the corners of cynicism. Remove the thoughts of cynicism that have kept you bound, that have kept you from going after him, that have kept you in this place of being cynical and doubtful that he's going to move. Sweep the corner and fill it with the wonder of who he is. Come on, just close your eyes right where you're at. you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.